I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking of potentially owning, in the process of buying, or already owns their own home. <laughs> I, I always have to put that sound effect in there for anyone who's listening because you can't see. There's like this fun little board over here with these sounds and it's just kind of fun to play around with. And this show is magical because mortgages are magical. So we make magical sounds. <laughs> I'm Leah Budding, licensed mortgage loan officer, and I'm your host. And today we have another guest on with us. So everyone, this is Thais Purdy, and she is the owner of Purdy Law. Thanks for having me, Leah. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. And today, what we're really going to get into is we are going to get into the nitty gritty of self-employment and how that impacts your mortgage process. So... One, it's already a pretty big deal to just step out on your own, take that leap from, you know, working for someone to working for yourself. And then on top of that, when you go to buy a home, the rules are, unfortunately, they're quite a bit different. And so if you don't know or don't adequately prepare yourself, you know, you could cause some hurdles in in a loan or home buying process. And so we're here to talk on that. But before we get into that nitty gritty piece of things, Thais, you just went through the mortgage process yourself. Mm -hmm. And we definitely want to hear on that. But before we get to that piece as well, I want everyone to just get to know a little bit more about you and your process to becoming an entrepreneur and what you do and what makes you tick. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I'm the managing attorney at Purdy Law. It's an immigration law firm. Um, and I've been on my own now for two years, um, which is what allowed me to go through the home uh, buying process with Leah. And so before that, I was um, just working in private practice with another uh, law firm. And what really pushed me to going out on my own and doing my own thing and starting my solo career with Purdy Law, it was COVID. Um, really? Yeah, it was COVID. So it was around October, November of 2020. Um, and one day my boss was just like, hey, things are looking really rough. Um, and I don't think I'm going to have money to pay you. Uh, and that was frightening. So, um, yeah, at that point, you know, we're like kind of at the height of the pandemic. Nobody really knows what's going on. Um, masks, mandates, curfews, all this stuff is happening. Um, and not a lot of people were hiring immigration attorneys at that point. So I figured... Because well, there wasn't there wasn't much immigration right, or travel, it, exactly. period, it anywhere. It came to a halt. Um and so at that point, I was like, well, I have two options. I can either, um, you know, send out resumes and see if anything sticks, or I can try to do this thing on my own. 
Um, so I went with the latter and never looked back. It's, it was the best decision I've ever made. I'm so like happy that I became financially um, independent and created my own like nest, if you will. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's been obviously like ups and downs for sure, roller coaster ride, because uh, there's some things they don't teach you in law school. And one of them is being a business owner. Um, and so that's been definitely a whirlwind, but also just incredibly rewarding, satisfying. And I mean, I think that things have a way of kind of falling into place. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely what happened for me. So eternally grateful for everything, all the lights that pointed me in this direction that I am in today. I love it. And I have a question for you, and it's not one that I thought of before. So sorry to put you on the on the <laughs> <Go> spot, <laughs> but um, I've done a couple episodes where we talk specifically about fear and fear in the home buying process. But I'm curious, did you have any fears when you decided to step out on your own to be an entrepreneur? Was there anything mm -hmm. that scared you? And then how did you overcome that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, I was, yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's, I think there's some attorneys who have this vision that, you know, eventually they want to go out on their own. I mean, there's, there's law students that as soon as they graduate past the bar, they go ahead and they hang a shingle and they call it a day and they just start going and, you know, doing their own stuff. But that was never my goal. I never had um, this desire to go solo, to be out on my own. Um, I tend to be a very um, dependent person in this uh, <laughs> world of ours. Um, and so, you know, I've always been the person that like, I need to have somebody else there that's kind of like holding my hand and telling me it's okay. And, you know, um, so yes, I was very scared. Um, uh, but I, I think that, first of all, having a strong support system around you um, is very important. And, and I, luckily, I had that in my family and the people around me, my friends. I have a very strong uh, group of people that kind of just rallied around me and, and cheered me uh, along the way. And they're like, no, you can do this. You can do this. There's other people who do it. You can do it, too. It's going to be OK. Um, and the biggest fear I had above all of anything else was just the financial part of it. Right. Because for mm -hmm. me, it was something that was. Um, unexpected. I wasn't yeah. really planning for it or preparing for it. And so, uh, you know, at the last minute, I just had to kind of like do it. Um, and my biggest fear was like, well, what if I can't pay my bills? <laughs> like, like, yeah, money has to keep coming in somehow. Um, you know, so I think that for anybody, I would say the, the golden rule, right, is like, make sure you have six months of savings or whatever. I didn't have that. Um, so it was definitely like either this works or it doesn't. But in the back of my head, it was like, OK, well, if this doesn't work, then I'll just apply for jobs. Right. Like, what's the worst that can happen at this point? Like, I already got laid off. <laughs> <laughs> I Exactly. Like, I mean, there, what what more could really. Right. Right. So, you know, I had a little bit of money, um, uh, definitely not six months, but I figured, you know, I'd give myself um you know, the ability to at least give it a shot. I mean, if you're going to take a shot on somebody, it should be yourself, I think. I think um, so too. And that's what I did. So, yeah. I love that. I had some similar advice that was given to me when I first became a loan officer where, um, granted, I'm not fully 
on my own. I am W-2, but I'm 100% commissioned. So it's Mm -hmm. very similar to kind of running your own business, being on your own. And I remember I went from um, a loan officer that was sitting in a real estate office. So it not that you don't have to work for those relationships and you're not there hustling, but you do have a little bit of like a leg in the door that you don't if you're a solo loan officer by yourself. And I remember when I went solo or had the opportunity to go solo Mm -hmm. and get out of the real estate office. And I was so terrified. I probably thought about it for about a month. And my dad finally called me and he goes, sweetie, he's like, I'm going to put it to you this way. (laughs) He goes, do you believe in yourself? And I said, of course I do. And he's like, then there's your answer. He's like, if you believe in yourself, go. And he's like, if you don't believe in yourself, he's like, then stay. Cause you're right where you want Like you're right where you should be. If you don't believe in yourself. Look at that. That's great advice. It's true, right? You have to believe in yourself. And like I said, give yourself the shot. Right. And if not, then no, nobody else is going to give you the shot. So you have to kind of make your own, um, paths, I guess. Right. Yeah. Just kind of create the opportunity. Mm -hmm. For yourself. I mean, I think mm, opportunity is one of those things where sometimes we get lucky and it just comes around and it like swings by and you're like, look at that. I'm going to get on that. And other times I feel like we have to create our own opportunities too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's what I did. And that's how I got here in this room with you. So I love it. <laughs> Well, and I want to know too, and, um, you know, I want everyone else to know as well, but what kind of law do you specialize in and tell everyone a little bit about, because law is such a big deal. There's Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. much in it. So, you know, what do you do? What's your specialty? What do you love the most about, you know, the type of law you practice? Yeah. So I do immigration a hundred percent. That's what uh, my law firm is based around. Um, what I love the most is just helping people, um, you know, and the United States is such a melting pot of, of culture and it's such an honor and a privilege that I get to play a small part in just helping people build the life that they've dreamed for themselves in, in America and, and getting to help people call our home, their home, um, is entire is just extremely rewarding for me. Um, so yeah. Give me an example of one really like successful story or moment you yeah, had with yeah. one of your clients. I mean, there's so many, but um, I actually got one today. But I'm not going to talk about that because it's not as good as you know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that like whenever there's like people come to you after they've been denied, and then you're able to like refile or re you know analyze their their reasons for denial and then refile their case and then you get a win that's like so rewarding so that's what happened today oh um, yay yeah wait wait i think there's <laughs> um but i think that the most rewarding case i've had so far was it was like right when i first started I had a client who um, had been here for, oh my gosh, like over 20 years. He was still out of status, didn't have a green card. Um, and I did a little digging and I found out he was eligible for 245I, which is this old law that basically if like if you're grandfathered in, 
it um, forgives a lot of things. So like working without authorization mm. forgives um, any period of time that you've been here out of status, which for him was a very long time. <laughs> um, and with that, we were able to do an employment-based green card for him. Mm. And um, yeah, so it was really exciting. So the day that he finally got his green card, not just him, him his wife, he had a son. Um, it was a beautiful moment. I mean, this man is like, grown man in his like mid 50s was just like in complete tears his wife was crying. Like, there's tears all around so moments like that are what i live for we love the happy tears yes absolutely and i think well i don't think there was tears per se but i would like to think there's happy tears when you just went through your own oh 100 percent Oh my gosh, Leah, I love my house when you told me to come here today, i was like oh i gotta leave Oh, I don't want to leave my you house. My house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, there was definitely just moments of just like, I think I looked at Kelly. So Kelly's my wife. Um, after we closed and we were like finally in our house, our new house for the first time. And we're just like this moments of just like complete, like, is this real? Aww. Is this for real? Because this was always like such a big goal that we had for our family. Um, and we've been working towards it for like so long, you know. So to finally be in this place where we like, it's just like a beautiful neighborhood and it's a beautiful house. And it's, I mean, you saw it uh -huh. yourself. It's got a beautiful view and, and, a, know, pool. and a pool. And a pool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and just like having a space where we can just envision our our son growing up and, and riding his bike down the street and it's just like such warm fuzzy feelings all around so there was definitely tears of joy <laughs> for sure well and I have to ask because I remember one of the things you said when I asked about your son and I'm like oh is he excited and you're like well his toys just keep disappearing <laughs> and that's like is he excited now does he understand like did he get yes. his toys back <laughs> so we are still in the process of moving right because as you know we had to like sell our old house to then buy our new house so we had a storage um unit that we got just for emerson's toys um so that we could like clear out the clutter in our old house because otherwise it was like oh my gosh there's like stuff everywhere <laughs> Um, so he's slowly gotten toys back, but my family keeps bringing over toys for him. So I oh, like, no. this is toys everywhere. But yes, he's excited. He's running around. There's like choo-choo trains everywhere and monster trucks. And like, <laughs> oh my gosh, the kid's having a blast. That's that's like me. I'm like the cool aunt. So <laughs> my, my, my best friend, Alexa, when I um, go to visit her kids, I'm like, what's the loudest, funnest, most annoying toy <laughs> I can buy? <laughs> This yeah. child, because I don't have to take it back with me. I get to just leave it there. And I'm like, and the yeah. kid loves me. And she's like, yeah, why'd you do that? But in the yeah, end, it's like, great. We appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's great. But now we keep thinking in the back of my head. I'm like, we got to get the toys out of that storage unit ASAP before they hit us enough with another fee for next month. So Ooh. yeah, because those storage units are not cheap ugh, either. No, and we got an air conditioned one. So ugh, whatever. So we gotta we gotta be out of there by like December fifteenth at this point because we already missed the November deadline. It's fine. <laughs> it's life, right? It's, it's okay. Life. It's life. <laughs> okay, and I want to now kind of segue into a little bit the eh, the not as fun probably part of of the mortgage process and just when you are self-employed and what that looks like 
So I'm going to break out for everyone listening. Uh, we're going to break out four main parts to self-employment. And then Thais, as, as we're talking and I'm throwing stuff in there, feel free to like, you know, throw in anything uh, from your own experience as well. Any mm-hmm. tips that you can give people. So the first point is I'm going to talk on length of self-employment. So in almost every case, it's going to be two years. And that's pretty much irregardless of what type of loan you're doing, whether that's your traditional, conventional, FHA, VA, USDA, or even if you get into what we call the non-QM or the non-qualified mortgage realm. Uh, Basically, I describe that as a realm of mortgages that are, they're not backed by the government, like your conventional FHA loans, uh, but they're not hard money either. So it's kind of this in-between world. And even for a lot of those loan products, it's still going to be, or they're still going to require a two-year period, except, and this was one thing we did. Yep. uh, We didn't end up doing it, but we did look into it for your situation. There is one exception, and that is FHA. And FHA will allow between 12 to 24 months of self-employment if you were previously employed in the same line of work in which you are self-employed for at least two consecutive years. Right. And this is one of the things I... I, (laughs) So I'm going to add to this that, you know, Google is um, great. It provides a wealth of knowledge. Um, But just... This is also why it's so important to be working with professionals who know what they're doing, right? And actually know the statutes and the law and can really properly advise you because, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do my thing because there's got to be an exception to the exception of the rule, right? This is what I like. As (laughs) as an attorney, this is what we look for. We look for the exception in everything. So um, after I had spoken with Leah and she's like, no, Thais, you have to wait for two years. Um, And that's coming up so, so soon. So we might as well just wait. I go to Google and I'm like, I think Leah forgot something. I I think that there is something in here that she must have missed. (laughs) The lawyer in you. I was like, no, there's got to be. And then I'm like, aha, I knew it. There is an exception to the exception of the rule. Um, So I called Leah and I was like, Leah, did you forget about the exception to the exception of the exception? (laughs) And Leah... In her, like, and this is just like the professionalism and just sweetness in her. So I think what you mean is, <laughs> da, 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 da. but really, and then she goes on this whole like, I don't know, like a five minute explanation of what the rule is, where it came from, where it originated, and why I'm not eligible for the exception to the exception. But <laughs> <laughs> so this exception to the exception that we're talking about. It's it's not um, the FHA one because mm-hmm. that one you did actually qualify for on that one. Mm-hmm. It just it, in your case, it was better for us to right. wait like an extra month, month and a half yeah. and do conventional. But so what you were referring to, the exception to the exception <laughs> is uh, conventional, specifically Fannie Mae mm-hmm. has in their guidelines for length of self-employment, they do have something in there that's like, oh, if you're between 12 and 24 months uh, and you can prove that you make 
the same, if not more money than other self-employed professions in your same profession, yeah, similar in the same situated professionals in the industry, yeah, like that. in the industry, in your area. And so when we started kind of talking yeah. about, well, it's, it's there, but as a lawyer in a law firm, <laughs> like how do you, like it, it's impossible. Like, yeah, it's so varying, like the degrees of like income from, especially in immigration. I mean, I don't know about other laws, um, areas of law. I can't speak for them, but I know for a fact that in immigration, it's just so, I mean, it's so wide. So mm -hmm. impossible. Yeah. It, hard, hard to do. Um, they, I think now the FHA one is definitely a doable one. I've done a couple loans for people with that exception. But the conventional one, I mean, in my opinion, I think it's a feel-good thing that they just mm -hmm. throw in there to make people think like, oh, look, there <laughs> is an exception. But like, look at all this next to impossible stuff you got to overcome right. to potentially get it. Uh, but, you know, going back to it, two years, you know, really to be safe, you want to have two full years of self-employment, preferably two years of tax returns as well. Um, and that kind of segues into my next main point with self-employment, which is how is your income calculated? Because it's calculated quite differently than if you're W-2. So when you have a W-2 job, you're employed by someone, you get to use your gross income, mm -hmm. your income before taxes. So if you make a gross salary of $10,000 a month, you get to use $10,000 a month for qualifying. Even though you are not bringing home $10,000, you still get to use it. When you are self-employed, you don't get to do that. You don't get to use... I think we need one of these little... Here we go. Mm -hmm. Maybe the sad one, too. <laughs> and it's awful, and don't shoot the messenger. I hate telling people this news, because um, I don't think it's fair, personally. You know, I think if you're W-2 and you get to use your your gross income, I feel like you should be able to do the same when you're self-employed, but you don't, um, you know, so your income is going to be more so calculated based off of your net income after your write-offs. And I think we all kind of know, you know, as when you are self-employed, that's one of the benefits is being able to write mm -hmm. write things off that, absolutely that you don't get to do when you're w-2 um you know but it kind of sucks because there's almost like a penalty for that when you're going to buy a home now there are a couple things that you can add back um you know i say this too with a grain of salt always have your loan officer actually do your income calculation for you so you know don't guess but things like depletion depreciation and if you file a Schedule C with your self-employment, um, miles traveled are actually things you can add back. You know, so though there are a couple write-offs out there that you can add back as qualifying income, but it's not going to be um, a lot, mm -hmm. unfortunately. And the next point, main point number three, is documents you'll need and i know this is a fun one <laughs> this is a fun one all the documents so two years of tax returns personal and business depending on how you file your taxes you know some people that are self-employed just have a schedule c a schedule c is going to just be on your personal returns 
And then some people have personal and business returns. And I always say all pages and schedules. Mm -hmm. That means Mm -hmm. if your tax returns are like over 100 pages, we still need all 100 pages. (laughs) And this is like an important point to make too. Like you have to be organized, right? Because being, Mm -hmm. I think that's half the battle. Um, Know where your stuff is. And it's going to make the process so much easier for you because when you're, Working on your own, you're an entrepreneur, you're solo, whatever your situation is, you have so many different hats that you wear. Um, But I think one of the major ones that you must have is organization, at least with the financial documents for your business. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just because like if you're trying to buy a home, but with anything, right? Like the last thing you want is the IRS knocking on your door asking to audit your your stuff and you're like oh i think it's under the dog bed i don't know like right (laughs) (laughs) you want to just be able to be like here you go here it is Mm -hmm. i'm good i know what i'm doing yep i agree um some other things that might be applicable maybe not is k-1s if you are filing separate business returns and you have k-1s also if you pay yourself a w-2 because sometimes when you're self-employed you will actually pay yourself a w-2 And you can use that as income, you know? So if you have those, those are things you're gonna wanna send over. And another big one that you did a great job on, Thais, is profit and loss statements. Mm -hmm. So when you're getting a mortgage, usually if you pass the first quarter of the year, you know, so let's say we get into 23, come April 1st, most of the time an underwriter is going to require a profit and loss statement. Now this, if you're doing better than you were the previous year, there's really, you don't get to use that as income. It's just there to tell the underwriter like, oh, okay, you're making the same or more than you were before. But if your profit and loss for that quarter or whatever part of the year you're in is less than what you earned last year, that it does have the potential to actually kill your whole loan, depending on what the loss looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, so you did such a great job of having, like when I brought up profit and loss and you're like, Oh yeah, my accountants already (laughs) got the information and we're ready to go. And it was so easy and we could just get that verified, you know, pretty much right up front Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. That goes back to that point I made in the beginning, like have somebody who's managing your books um, monthly, if you can do it. It's an expense, but it's one that is going to pay for itself. Just knowing, having the peace of mind that your finances are in order, that the business is healthy or not, so that you're aware of the financial viability of your of your your baby, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would be very like I definitely don't do that on my right. Like I could not <laughs> like thank you for the credit, um, but like obviously like I did not do that. Um, so yeah, just make sure you have professionals working with you um, and on your business that you trust and who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And the fourth and final main point when it comes to self-employment is that if your traditional mortgages don't work, conventional, FHA, VA, USDA, uh, there are other options out there for you. So I did talk a little bit uh, earlier this episode on non-QM loans, what those are, again, non-qualified mortgage, kind of an in-between world between government regulated and uh, hard money. But there are loans out there um, like 
the two that come to mind specifically for self-employment is going to be one, bank statement loans, which is if you do have a lot of write-offs on your taxes, a bank statement loan will actually allow you to use usually 12 to 24 months of your business bank statements to do your income calculation. Mm. So sometimes that, that'll get you more qualifying income. Same with there are 1099 loans out there. So this is great for any of our contract workers who are self-employed in their 1099 is this type of loan actually allows you to use your 1099 for an income calculation versus um, using your tax returns. So, you know, think of that too. Something with those types of loans is they do tend to have a little bit higher interest rates and usually a little bit higher fees. But the trade-off sometimes is that you can get your, you know, you can get your home, whereas with a traditional mortgage, you wouldn't be able to. So luckily we didn't have to do that in Absolutely. your case. <laughs> um, you know, but that is an option that's out there. You know, I've seen people where they'll do like a bank statement loan. And then we work together for a couple years on, you know, how they might have to change or do their business or run their business differently. So maybe in a couple years qualify for a conventional mortgage and you can do a, a refinance and just hopefully get a lower interest rate and things like that. So there's plenty of options out there if you're self-employed. You know, at the end of the day, really just talk to your loan officer, get your documents in so they can tell you exactly where you stand, you know, and, and you just take it one step at a time from there. And that kind of, that, no, not kind of, that concludes <laughs> our episode today. So, uh, you know, I say it in every episode, but you guys can find me on all the platforms, pl pl platforms, platforms. <laughs> all the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, at Lending with Leah. So that's where you can find me. And Thais, where can everyone find you? At Purdy Law. <laughs> I did before this I did go on your website I was like snooping a little bit and you actually have a very nice like well put nice, together right? I yeah. also did not do that myself but thank you for the credit <laughs> again this is why it's important to have professionals it is. helping really you out at, what I tell people is I'm really good at hiring people to do stuff that I have no clue how to do so uh that's another one right there <laughs> Yeah. And that's it, even like with this podcast. So I just show up, but Kana House Studios here in Wellington, Florida puts on everything for us, edits everything. I, I couldn't do it without them. So big shout out to them as well. And as always, if anyone has specific mortgage questions and you want to talk through a scenario, find me at Lending with Leah. My contact information is there. Give me a call and I'd be happy to discuss your situation. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>